Greetings, this is Jeff Riddle. I'm the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Louisa, Virginia. And this is another in this series of readings through the preface to the King James Version of 1611. That preface is known by the title, The Translators to the Reader. I'm reading from my personal copy of the Bible, which is the KJB Turquoise Reference Edition, published by Cambridge University Press. And in this episode, we're going to be reading section 13 of the preface, which has as its title, The Purpose of the Translators with Their Number, Furniture, Care, Etc. And so here is this section 13. But it is high time to leave them and to show in brief what we proposed to ourselves and what course we held in this our perusal and survey of the Bible. Truly good Christian reader, we never thought from the beginning that we should need to make a new translation, nor yet to make of a bad one a good one. For then the imputation of Sixtus had been true in some sort, that our people had been fed with gall of dragons instead of wine, with whey instead of milk. But to make a good one better, or out of many good ones, one principal good one, not justly to be ex accepted against, that hath been our endeavor, that our mark. To that purpose there were many chosen that were greater in other men's eyes than in their own, and that sought the truth rather than their own praise. Again, they came, or were thought to come, to the work, not exercendi causa, as one saith, but exercitati, that is, learned, not to learn. For the chief overseer and erga diotes, under his majesty, to whom not only we, but also our whole church was much bound, knew by his wisdom which thing also Nazianzen taught so long ago, that it is a preposterous order to teach first and to learn after. Yea, that ta in pitho keramion manthanein, to learn and practice together, is neither commendable for the workman nor safe for the work. Therefore, such were thought upon, as could say modestly with St. Jerome, et hebreum sermonem ex parte dedicimus et in latino pene ab ipsis un incunabulis, etc., detriti sumus. Both we have learned the Hebrew tongue in part, and in Latin we have been exercised almost from our very cradle. St. Jerome maketh no mention of the Greek tongue, wherein yet he did excel, because he translated not the Old Testament out of Greek, but out of Hebrew. And in what sort did these assemble? In the trust of their own knowledge, or of their sharpness of wit, or deepness of judgment, as it were in an arm of flesh, at no hand. They trusted in him that hath the key of David, opening and no man shutting. They prayed to the Lord, the Father of our Lord, to the effect that St. Augustine did. O let thy scripture be my pure delight. Let me not be deceived in them, neither let me deceive by them. In this confidence and with this devotion did they assemble together, not too many, lest one should trouble another, and yet many, lest many things haply might escape them. If you ask what they had before them, truly it was the Hebrew text of the Old Testament, the Greek of the New. These are the two golden pipes, or rather conduits, 
where through the olive branches empty themselves into the gold. St. Augustine calleth them precedent or original tongues. St. Jerome, fountains. The same St. Jerome affirmeth, and Gratian hath not spared to put it into his decree, that as the credit of the old books, he meaneth the, of the Old Testament, is to be tried by the Hebrew volumes, so of the new by the Greek tongue. He meaneth by the original Greek. If truth be to be tried by these tongues, then whence should a translation be made but out of them? These tongues, therefore, the scriptures we say in those tongues, we set before us to translate, being the tongues wherein God was pleased to speak to his church by the prophets and apostles. Neither did we run over the work with that posting haste that the Septuagint did, if that be true, which was reported to them that they finished it in 72 days. Neither were we barred or hindered from going over it again, having once done it, like St. Jerome. If that be true, which himself reporteth, that he could no sooner write anything, but presently it was caught from him and published, and he could not have leave to mend it, neither to be short, were we the first that fell in hand with translating the scriptures, the scripture into English, and consequently destitute of former helps, as it is written of origin, that he was the first in a manner that put his hand to write commentaries upon the scriptures, and therefore no marvel if he overshot himself many times. None of these things, the worth hath, work hath not been huddled up in seventy-two days, but hath cost the workman, as light as it seemeth, the pains of twice seven times seventy-two days and more. Matters of such weight and consequence are to be, are to be speeded with maturity. For in a busyness of moment a man feareth not the blame of convenient slackness, Neither did we think much to consult the translators or commentators, Chaldee, Hebrew, Syrian, Greek, or Latin. No, nor the Spanish, French, Italian, or Dutch. Neither did we disdain to revise that which we had done, and to bring back to the anvil that which we had hammered. But having and using as great helps as were needful, and fearing no reproach for slowness, nor coveting praise for expedition, we have, at the length, through the good hand of the Lord upon us, brought the work to that pass that you see. Here ends section 13 of the Translators to the Reader.